long before there was the death of their bodies in the wilderness, there was first the death of their imaginations. They couldn't see the prophetic possibilities mm. because sometimes it's harder to believe God for the new fresh thing that you haven't seen. Mm -hmm. um, it's so difficult that our tendency is to go back to the bondage we came out of. Yeah. Even though it wasn't great, we're grateful that we got out of it. Yeah. You know, that's that's how difficult it is sometimes to, to, to pioneer new space or to believe God for what you haven't seen yet. I'm Jeremy Dixon, and you're listening to The Misfit Manifesto. What's up, party people? Thanks so much for joining us again. Let me say it as always, like, share, and comment. Make sure that you know, and everyone you know knows, uh, what's happening here at the Misfits Manifesto. I'm so blessed today because I have a dear friend joining us. He is certainly a pastor, but I think he is what a friend of mine coined a pastorpreneur. He is literally in everything. This is the dude of many slashes. He's doing preaching. He's pastoring. He's leading, um, you know, a, a movement relative to the marketplace. He's got fragrances. This man, <laughs> this man, literally is killing the game. And I wanted him to be on um, our show just to talk about, you know, kind of what's next. I think he's burst out of whatever box that most would put him in, and he's leading the charge to help people uh, like us who consider ourselves to be misfits, uh, to capitalize on all of our gifts, our talents. And so I'm so grateful to welcome to the show a uh, good buddy of mine. Uh, I'm just going to call him Wayne Chaney. Even though he's Pastor Wayne Chaney, I think for our purposes, we'll just call him Wayne. It works. It That's works, what's up, man. Dude, so, good, so good to be with you. So good to be with you, man. In a, in a formal setting, we had some epic conversations yes. off, uh, off set, but yes. it's good to, to get it captured. Yes, dude. Yeah. One the, the last time we were together... Um, I think we 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 met at like five, and I looked up and it was almost midnight. And I thought to myself, I'm I'm not gonna be able to explain this <laughs> <laughs> that this is legitimately where I was right, right, right. for all these hours, man. Because we get together and we have a chance to rap. It's always so rich and so full. And a big mm. part of that is because you speak a very specific language right. that not a lot of people are speaking, um, kind of in our line of work, which is that you know a big you know, a big part of owning who you are is recognizing that you don't have to live within the limits that people put on you relative to what you do. And so let's just start by kind of going back and w talk about, like, I, I assume you're, and I might be wrong about this, okay. was your first thing ministry or were you in something else before you got into pastoring? No, absolutely. I started started pretty pretty young. Okay. Um, was in school and was actually studying, wanted to be a corporate attorney. Hmm. In my mind, I figured I would go make my money, you know, you uh, <laughs> come back and uh, at about 60 years old is when I was going to start, <laughs> you know, ministry. I, I would do my first sermon at 60. By 65, I may have been pastoring, uh, but, you know, God had other plans. So I yeah. started ministry really young. Um, it was the first career, for sure. Okay. I mean, okay. in college, while I was out in Atlanta, I uh, was front desk at the Sheraton Suites Galleria, and I always, again, like keep myself active. My first, first job, 15 years old, no one would hire me. Um, and my aunt was a publicist for the Long Beach Jazz Festival, one of the, the biggest in on the West Coast. Okay. And um, no one else would hire me. Uh, I was hired there, started working at the front desk, but from there I learned merchandising, uh, VIP, guest reception, media, uh, you know, all those things. Hmm. Um, had no idea um, 
shoot, 15, however many, 20 years later, mm-hmm. um, we would throw a gospel fest. I cut my teeth there. But again, that was my first gig, but really the first career uh, was ministry. What's funny is, and I, and I want to get back, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you brought up, you you had uh, some type of like Long Beach gospel fest that yeah. was like the biggest, yeah. like 20, 25,000 people that yeah, showed 20, up Yeah, 20,000 people in the course of the day. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about that. Yeah, so it started uh, years ago. Okay. It wasn't something we dreamed up. The city came to us and said, you know, they're having um, festivals on Pine Avenue. They block off the streets and they had jazz bands, 50, 150 people would show up. Mm-hmm. They came to us with about two or three weeks to spare said, would you like to throw a concert in downtown? I said, we'd love to. We'll block off the streets for you. Um, we had two or three weeks to pull it off. Um, I told them I would only do it on one condition, if they let us have our church service in the streets downtown, because mm-hmm. I needed critical mass, you know, yep, folks to yep, show up. Yep. And, uh, you know, we would build on top of that with promotion, advertisement, you know, marketing. Um, but um, that first year, with two weeks to pull it off, 7,000 people, showed up. And that was the beginning of the Long Beach Gospel Fest. Second year, closed off the streets, blocked it off there. But by the third year, so many people showed up. We had to move it down to Acres and Acres right there in front of the beach, Mm -hmm. Um, Marina Green. Um, You know, it started that way and God was just faithful. I mean, by the time we finished uh, the last one, about 20,000 people in the course of the day. That's insane, dude. Now, the Long Beach coming to talk to you, I think, is indicative of the relationship that you, your church, like the Cheney family, yeah. like your grandfather was the pastor, is that right, sure. of the yep. church? Yep. So you didn't just parachute in the Long sure. Beach, like you got some roots in yeah. that city, yeah. and not just from a, from a sacred space, but yeah. in the neighborhood. So talk sure. about your grandfather, the church, how you ended up yeah. taking over after him, and what that's been like. Yeah, my grandfather, just a phenomenal man, phenomenal leader, but he was he was really known for his love for people. He was a pastor's pastor. I mean, he was mm-hmm. truly a pastor. We all have our unique mm-hmm. bent um, in this fivefold thing. He was unquestionably pastoral. Yeah. And um, but before he started the church, he worked for the city. He was over the golf courses in the city. One of the few blacks in that position when he started. And you know, back then. Uh, when folks were being discriminated against, he somehow, you know, he was larger than life, loved folks, was able to work himself um, to a certain extent into the good old boy network there. Everybody loved him. Um, And so when he became a pastor, he brought some of those relationships over and was really a pioneer um, in the civic space. Um, He sat on most of the boards there in Mm. the city. He was uncompromised in his commitment to Christ, but knew how to, I call it changing clothes. He yeah. knew how to uh, seamlessly go from, yep. you know, the church into the civic arena, into the marketplace. And he, over time, became respected, revered. You know, some lead with uh, an iron fist, mm-hmm. with authority. They try to broker power. He really was able to make advances by, you know, loving people. Wow. Um, it opened up doors not only with, um, you know, your everyday folks um, uh, in the community, but, you know, at the highest levels of government, he was received, and his contribution was genuine godly love. Um, And so from there, you know, my father, he, uh, you know, kind of kept the legacy going in his own right, Mm -hmm. Um, spokesperson for the fire department, and, you know, he uh, sat on many boards 
Um, he's, I think, the airport commissioner or uh, uh, chair of the airport commission um, there. So uh, he went the civic route, the, the, the you know, governmental yeah. route, yeah. didn't go into ministry. I went into ministry and kind of harnessed it, both of those things, mm-hmm. what I saw growing up. And so um, it, was, it was second nature for me. In other words, y'all y'all ran Long Beach. No, 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 no listen, listen, <laughs> listen. No, man. <laughs> that, bro, that's incredible because honestly, and two, I want to go back to the change in clothes comment because yeah. that's important. But when when I first became aware of you and what I'll just call the Cheney brand, it really was through the lens of how you were you all were impacted. Your family had impacted the community. So we knew that you obviously were active in your church and sure. doing great things, but you know, you all are well respected for the ways in which you have stewarded and leveraged like the ministry to really impact the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so was that something, aside from the example your grandfather set, was that something that was prioritizing conversation in your grooming? Like, mm-hmm. hey, if, if you're gonna go into ministry, recognize it ain't just about pastoring people that come within your walls, but you serve this city. Yeah. How did that conversation yeah. emerge? Well, certainly it's um, enculturation, right? The idea that more is caught than taught, right? So yes. I don't know that they ever sat down and expressly, um, you know, laid out the game plan sure. for me. But, you know, when, when you witnessed that from an early age, I mean, it was just second nature. You know, yeah. part of it was you went to church, yep. but you also, back then, black tie events, yep. formal events were formal. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you wore yeah, the bow tie. Formal, yeah. You remember those with the cumberbund? The cumberbund, like we're going, man. Like we're going to the, <laughs> the little studs in the church. I mean, we probably wear suits now right. to uh, those formal events. But, I mean, back then, you know, that was just that was just a Saturday. Those events were on Saturday and on Sunday, um, we were in church, so I, I didn't see that dichotomy. And you know, it's interesting. This is the first time at this moment I think um, I realized that that early formation informed um, my theology to a certain mm. degree. I mean, it 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 formed my hermeneutic, right? The yeah. lens I see um, scripture with. And this is the first time, man, you brought that out. This is the first time I realized. Hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> listen, hey, this, this is exclusive. That's round it, of applause. Come on, producers. You're here first. You're here first. Exclusive. <laughs> I get something for the first time. Right, you got to right. celebrate it. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I never, never thought about that, but I don't remember looking at Scripture not seeing this, this, the, the kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, that you, you, you expand the aperture, right, and yep. see the kingdom lens, which is not God is the God of the church but that God is the God of it all. Yeah. The rule, kingdom, the rule and reign of God over everything forever. Yeah. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. Yeah. And so um, as far back as I can remember, I, I, I've never seen scripture or the movement of God in the world without considering um, that God is God of it all. And um, his wisdom, his ways, um, the leading of the spirit are just is just as important mm-hmm. um, in those arenas as it is um, in 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 the local church, right? Yeah. And this idea of kingdom, yeah. you know, there, there's a pastor where Jesus talks about it being like yeast that was sown into dough, mm-hmm. you know, until the whole batch of dough it says he says is leaven. This idea of king, the, the, this yeast, which represents in that context anyway, right? Um, the life of the kingdom, the dough in many respects, represents the world and the world system. So the idea is that as this kingdom influence works its way into the world system, it's it's when its greatest potential is unlocked, it's replicated. I mean, yeast does not 
um, expand amongst yeast, right? Right, right. right. It, its greatest impact mm, is seen mm. when the yeast meets the dough. Mm-hmm. And like, likewise, the greatest impact, the explosion really happens yeah. when this this kingdom life that we carry is is worked into through faithful stewards, the world and the world system. I mean, you know, I, I love prophetic words in the church. Yeah. I love the worship. I mean, there's there's nothing else that replaces it. It's not either or, sure, right? Sure, sure. But the things I'm seeing in the marketplace is what yeah. I get excited about. I mean, the the, the hunger that you have um, to, to broker things in those arenas um, yeah. in the same way that you steward leadership here in the church. Yeah. It's just... You know, when we met, we were we realized that you know we we're part of the same tribe. That's right. There was Kendrick. a frequency. Yep. That um, I mean, you know, it within the first five minutes, yep. someone's confined can uh, confined to, again, um, a, a yeast ministry, yeah. <laughs> or if yeah. uh, they they realize the purpose of all this life is to really, um, work it into the world and the world system. That's why I love these conversations. It's so powerful. I mean, it's you know, you sit and you talk to someone. And they give you a revelation, and this one you know is like real revelation. Like, because yeah. when you say it, you're like, yeah, well, that makes sense. Yep. I didn't say it, but I, yeast uh, doesn't, the catalytic nature of yeast is right. is not even yielded until it touches the dough. Right. Yeast right. has the power to make it expand. It's not doing that until, or while it's with itself. Right. It's not until it touches the dough. Like, how powerful it is yeah. to recognize that there's untapped potential. Yeah. As we are only among ourselves, yes. And it is until it isn't until we connect with dough, the world, yep. that some aspects that are in us then become seen or yes. appreciated or yes. even, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's huge. Now, and, yep. so really quickly, I moved to Atlanta 2011, I think. Right. Plant a church, and Lord had put on my heart, you know, this idea of you know, expressing, manifesting the power of God in the marketplace. God kind of just, right. that was my thing early on in ministry. My first church, you know, went out there with nothing. We figured it out. Ended up, my father passing. I come back to L.A. Can't remember when it was, but you were preaching at Bishop Kenneth Ulmer's yeah. anniversary. It was my first time right. hearing you preach. I'm sitting in the audience, and you preached a sermon about changing clothes. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of the moments in which, you know, it's like when Mary walks into the room with Elizabeth and John the Baptist, he leaps inside mm. of her womb yeah. or her, her belly when Christ in the belly of Mary. Right. In that moment, and, and we would not connect for years after that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I didn't, we didn't meet right. immediately. Yeah. But I knew right then just by the way in which you communicated this idea of being able to have impact both within the walls of the church and with, I'm like, that's what I've been trying to articulate. Mm. I knew what I sensed it, didn't yeah. quite know how to bring it forward. And it was, talk a little bit about, you You referenced yeah. it, sure. but say a bit more about yeah. Yeah. that yeah. sermon, how prophetic yeah. that sermon was. Now, I want to say, it's interesting, we didn't talk for years after that, mm-hmm. but I'll never forget the moment hmm. the, that we, it was a brief exchange afterward. Yeah. And you just know when it's, it's your tribe. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a resonance. There is a frequency exchange. I mean, again, people that don't get it, don't get it. It goes yeah. over their head. Yeah. But, but, you know, folks like us who have been waiting for the frequency our whole lives or to, to, to find others who yeah. are part of the tribe, yeah. you know, uh, it's life. It's life yeah. to us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I want to get to that, that, um, that, 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 um, that night. But when I tell you th- that understanding has, as a leader, 
taking so much pressure off my shoulders. Mm. I mean, we come into ministry, um, you know, we we sometimes believe we have to be the most intelligent person there, yeah. the most uh, to connect folks, or the most theologically astute person to connect people, or the most innovative person, the most popular person. The challenge is, you know, our um, uh, joy in many respects rises and falls on keeping that position yeah. as the most anointed, the most astute, the mm-hmm. most popular. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, I was struck by Jesus when he feeds the 5,000 and they want another fish sandwich. <laughs> right. And he says, I'm not here to do that. Listen, right. I'm not giving you another fish sandwich. They start quoting Moses, mm-hmm. quoting the Bible, trying mm-hmm. to obligate God to mm-hmm. do what God didn't want to do, which is another mm-hmm. conversation in and of itself. Mm-hmm. You can quote the Bible. <laughs> mm-hmm. and try, there are people that try to quote the Bible to get God right. to move right. against his will. Yeah. And, you know, the Bible says he lost many disciples that day. Yeah. I, the whole crowd left. Twelve are standing there. Um, he looks to them and says something profound. He says, he says, you want to leave too? And Peter says, you know, where are we going to go? Because you have the words of life. Yeah. In other words, you know, we're here not for the same reasons they're there. Yeah. They're here for because you were popular. Yeah. They're here because of what the handouts you gave. Yeah. Um, but we're here because there's a resonance. When you open up your mouth, it, it's what's been welling up in our hearts for years. The things you're talking about on this podcast, yeah. you know, the things that I've prayed to God in private. Yeah. Right. Um, not knowing who else was a part of that tribe. There's yeah. a resonance. And so Jesus keeps them connected, not on all those uh, superficial trappings, but he keeps them connected based on, or he only wants people who, to build with people who have sight of what he carries yes. and see it as valuable for their life. Yep. You know, I can't tell you how that saved me yeah. to just... Um, connect with folks to, to, to just give it to the world as God's given it to you, waiting for your tribe to connect the yeah. dots, people that yeah. are doing the same thing on the other side of town, down the street and around the corner. Yeah. So that was a significant night for me yeah. um, because while for some it was a great message for them, but it, it, it didn't resonate like mm-hmm. that. I knew that night that God would do something, no when, but that we would build together in years to come. Yeah, and it's taking years, it's but taking years. you know we're we're scratching the surface. Finally, now. we're here. <laughs> yeah, it's about to yeah. be dope too. Yeah, yeah, we're going yeah. to something big, brother. Right, right, right. So that night, um, basically, was a frustration capture. Mm. Um, I wasn't frustrated with God. wasn't frustrated with God's people, but I was frustrated in ministry and didn't know why. I, I had to have been twenty, twenty-one years old, and you know I remember that moment. It was from the Holy Spirit. He said, "Go study the tabernacle." And as I studied the tabernacle, I became soberly aware of what my frustration was. The Holy Spirit took me through that. And, you know, it sounds strange to many folks. You know, someone didn't sit me down and teach me. It was just the strangest, most odd thing to locate my frustration is look at this tabernacle. And so, you know, there were several stations. There was the outer court, inner court, holy of holies, mm-hmm. and the outer court, the, the altar um, where they would make sacrifices, the laver where they would wash up and become ceremonially clean. Mm-hmm. They would go into the holy place. Um, where the candlesticks were there um, that lit up the holy place. It would have been dark otherwise. Um, table of shoe bread would keep the bread of the presence. Then the altar of incense mm-hmm. um, that they would push into the Holy of Holies um, um, uh, uh, once a year when the high priest would go on the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. In the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, right? Mm-hmm. And so each one of those things, short version, um, meant something. Um, 
altar represents salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, the laver represents holiness. Mm-hmm. The candlesticks represent the Holy Spirit. Table of shewbread represents the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Altar of incense, praise, worship, prayer, intercession. Mm-hmm. Holy of holies, Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, yeah, right? Yeah. And so what I found is that discovered that almost all of my friends and all the movements we were a part of, there was a thrust, a ministry thrust that surrounded one of those stations. Hmm. So to my, I'm not going to name the Don't denominations. Name them. And the, Don't but, name them. <laughs> but, but there were friends of mine who, who exclusively focused yeah. and made the highest pursuit just getting folks saved. Now, yeah. that is very important. Sure. But that was the folks that circled circled the, the altar. And mm-hmm. there are those who just focused exclusively on, you know, holiness, you know, getting right, yeah. getting saved, getting right. And after folks were... Were, were right, uh, not only uh, as the righteousness of Christ, but you know, mm-hmm. were 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 being conformed to the image of Christ. You know, in order to continue to push that more and more and more, the skirts just had to get longer, and the <laughs> movies you couldn't couldn't see right, right became right. an issue. Then you had the um, you know the candlestick folks, the folks that never asked really at friends and circles, that never asked really the importance of or the purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but mm-hmm. they just pushed the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and that was what they continued to cycle. You need to really move in the gifts of the Spirit, mm-hmm. not asking themselves the question concerning the purpose of those things. Then you had the table of Shubert, the word folks, that just, yeah. you know, everything line upon line, mm-hmm. precept upon precept, is just about getting into your word and dissecting your word. And So as I looked at these things, the Holy Spirit it, it really identified various denominations yeah. and the groups I was in. And this unspoken frustration was that we were all circling mm-hmm. our, our thing, <laughs> our whatever, thing whatever, right? yeah. as opposed to seeing the purpose of all of them, the progression. There's a progression, yeah. a movement yeah. in God where all these things are biblical. All of them need to be present. But the question is, how do we progress through this, right? So yeah. this idea that we're saved, not just to just save, or we're saved not just to celebrate the fact that we're saved, mm-hmm. but we're, that's the introduction. It, you know, that's the door that lets us, you know, into the house. But kingdom life, you know, is exploring sure. the entire house, sure. right? So this idea of salvation and, and righteousness, right, mm-hmm. um, or repentance is to, to continue to allow us to progress. There needs to be um, salvation. There needs to be holiness, living mm-hmm. up to the salvation we obtain, um, the work of God in us and our intentionality to, to, to live holy yeah. lives and to conform yeah. to his image. But then there's a purpose of the Holy Spirit. Other, without the Holy Spirit, in the same way that the holy place was dark without yeah. the candlesticks, yeah. you know, there, there is no true illumination mm-hmm. onto the word of God. Yeah. Um, to to enliven it, yeah. to 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 speak to us without you know the Holy Spirit, you know shining light onto uh, the the table of shewbread, the Word of God, and the the Word of God, right, is to teach us the the what God is like, mm-hmm. you know, his our relationship, our vertical relationship, our mm-hmm. horizontal relationship, what His will is for us to dwell with one another, what the dynamics of this encounter with God are, right, to lead us to um, this place, uh, the altar of incense, praise, worship, prayer, and intercession, yeah. um, as we offer up or cultivate environments of praise, worship, prayer, and intercession. Now we move from understanding out of the yeah. word, this God that 
we're in, um, uh, learning about mm -hmm. to actually encountering yeah. experientially yeah. this God that we may have grasped cerebral, yeah. cerebrally, right? Yeah. Through praise, worship, prayer, intercession. And interestingly, that's the only thing in the entire structure that moved. Move mm -hmm. from the, the sanctuary, mm -hmm. which is very interesting, the terminology, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the second place, mm -hmm. the sanctuary, into the Holy of Holies. Mm -hmm. there, there's a movement in that mm -hmm. because as we communicate with God in prayer and there's praise, worship, prayer, and intercession, it, it becomes experiential. Yeah. So it's not just knowledge of God, you know, um, but our hearts being far from him. We now actually begin to encounter the God yeah. that we we, we learned about. Yeah. And so we move into those things, move us into this unique um, unique um, place where we encounter the God that we learned about yeah. previously. Yeah. And so my frustration was realized that as opposed to this movement into authentic relationship and encounter with God, we were circling these yeah. stations and trying to elevate them as opposed to progressing forward. Yeah. Not only did I see that, and this is, as I bring this to a close, Yeah, right? no, no, man, this is good. The Holy Spirit showed me that the movement of God in the Western world in the last four or 500 years followed that same progression mm -hmm. in, in terms of emphasis. And this is what was fascinating to me, that the first and second great awakenings mm -hmm. were the primary thrust was salvation mm -hmm. and salvations and people coming to the Lord. You find in the late 1800s, the, um, the Methodist revivals birthed the holiness movement mm -hmm. of the late, mid to late 1800s, mm -hmm. where the emphasis became, yep. you know, uh, not just salvation, sanctification. but now sanctification. Yeah, our right? movement started in the late 1800s. Same thing. Yes. This, you come out of Babylon, be ye separate, be ye yes. holy, that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So you have the mm -hmm. altar, right? Yep. Salvation. You have the laver, yep. holiness. What's next? Right. 1906, yes, down right. the street Azusa. from where we're sitting, right? That's right. 1906, the candlesticks. That's right. The emphasis of the Holy Spirit in the thrust, that being reclaimed in a prominent way yeah. um, in the church, which birthed you know, so many movements mm -hmm. uh, from a place around the corner from us, right? Mm -hmm. 1906, the candlestick, Holy Spirit. Then you find the mid-1900s, the precept ministry, this outpouring of God. Yes. We're studying the Word of God line upon line, yep. precept upon precept. Charismatic renewal, I think, was a part of that. You yeah. have the, a lot of these word churches come yep. out of that time period. You know, yeah. some of the greats in this, you know, walking around with the Bible and yes. line, like That's you said, it. that that so, was that so next the move. congregation has their highlighter That's and right. write yep. notes in the margin. That's right. Yep. right now, it's not just the preacher speaking this to us, but mm -hmm. you know, we we went home to study this, show ourselves yep. approved. Yep. We, yep. you know, we were the Bereans, right? Yeah, listening to make sure to see, and studying intently to see if these things were true. That came yep. in the mid 1900s or yep. so. Then we get to um, this this you know you know 1970s and and some of what you're talking about, some of the charismatic rule, the um, the, um, the the latter rain, yeah. you know, those yeah. sorts of things, right? Yeah. The emphasis became what the altar vengeance. Yeah. You didn't hear about praise teams That's in the true. same way that you did when that began to happen. I mean, we used to, um, if you look at old architecture in churches, mm -hmm. the choir stand was a third of the church, yeah. right? Huge. That was the music yep. ministry. But yep. it began to evolve from, you know, hearing songs sang, and there's still a purpose for, for, for the choir biblically. Sure. Yeah. But 
you know, praise teams ushered us collectively into the presence of God to yeah. experience God in that way, right? Yeah. So you hear you hear intercessory prayer ministry mm -hmm. begin to emerge because mm -hmm. that, that altar is praise, worship, right? Prayer and intercession. Mm -hmm. We saw that movement. Then, you know, toward the end of that movement, maybe 15, 20 years later, you start to see the, you know, the, this emphasis of getting into the presence yeah. of God. Yeah. So we have each one of these stations yeah. in the last 400 years or so yeah. following that same pattern as what is in the tabernacle. Yeah. There's actually prophetic outpouring that yeah. we, we, we observe following this, 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 this trajectory. Yeah. You know, so we had churches in, into his presence. We had conferences, yep. his presence. You yep. know, every praise and worship leader that got up on a Sunday morning during that time was, yep. are you guys ready to get into the presence of God, right? <laughs> and this is when the conferences swelled yeah. and, you know, churches blew up and, you know, because you know, people come from near and far to hear fresh expressions of yeah. praise and worship yeah. um, and, and to, to experience the presence of God, right? So, you know, all these things, there was outpourings of God prophetically that happened in my, not in my lifetime, but, but over the last 400 years or so. I remember sitting with this. I had to have been 20, 21 years old mm -hmm. and saying, God, what's next? Mm -hmm. What's next? Where yeah. are we going? Yeah. Right? Where are we going? Because if this either is going to be continued the cycle mm -hmm. or, you know, we're getting close to the end. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. My, my theological framework was, was, wasn't as, you know, yeah. evolved back then, but I did ask God, what is next? Mm -hmm. You know, because everything is here. Yeah. You know, what's next? And I came across a passage in Ezekiel 44 the Lord used to really speak to me concerning prophetically what's next not only for the church but for his people in the world. Yeah. And if the last movement was into his presence, right, this idea that we go into the presence of God in the holy of holies, um, this, there was a passage in Ezekiel 44 it talked about these the, the descendants of the priest Zadok, which was mm -hmm. the high priest in the time of David and Solomon. And he said um, the Zadoks, his descendants, were more noble in many respects than the rest of the Levites uh, for, for a reason we don't have to go into mm -hmm. at this moment. But he gave them a very unique assignment. And their assignment was to minister in the Lord before the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. But then to change clothes mm -hmm. and to go into the outer court to minister to the people. Yeah. So there was this, not just getting into the presence of God yeah. as the highest pursuit, but there was this seamless um, movement yeah. between temple and outer courts, or yeah. we could call it marketplace. Yeah, yeah. And interestingly, there's been this almost, you know, tug of war. This, you know, we've been we've been church banging, yeah. like, ideologically banging, right? Yeah. You know, you have the folks that, you know, it's not about the four walls. Get outside the four walls. <laughs> and my question always to them is, well, don't you live out there? <laughs> Are you talking about for this two hours that right. you're here at church? Right. We need to get outside of the for right. those two hours outside of the, the four walls. I mean, right. you live outside the four right. walls. What are you doing outside the four? You live out there. Right. What are we talking about? Right. right. So this this you know people like that used to get up on nerves. You yeah. know, they, you know the, the good ones are always a little jaded for a right. while, right? <laughs> they, they, they they provoke you know change yep. in the church, but, you know, yep. there were some that just disparaged the church. You mm -hmm. know, it's not about this. Let's get out there. You live out there. Yeah. You know, so there's a purpose for this, but then there are those that just were exclusively, you know, um, temple folks. They're yep. exclusively church folks, and, you know, they, now listen, unless you're fivefold, and even that, there's some issue, right? But, um, you know, they gave themselves their time, energy, effort, um, influence to the local church. And, you know, 
I felt through that passage, the Lord said, it's not either one of those extremes, but the next significant movement or outpouring of the Lord in the same way, the first and second great awakenings mm -hmm. and the holiness revival and Azusa Street. Mm -hmm. We don't have to go back and recreate anything because yeah. God's doing something now. Yeah. And precept ministry yeah. and the, the praise, worship, prayer and intercession movement yeah. and the into his presence movement. He said this was, you know, when I was about 20 years old, this over 20 years ago, the Lord said the next prominent movement is going to be a Zadok movement. It is going to be not only a rich sense of God's presence that the previous movement had, mm -hmm. but it will be unapologetic permission to seamlessly move yeah. with authority between the temple and the marketplace. Yeah. To take that same rich sense of God's presence, his wisdom, prophetic insight into uh, the world where yeah. the yeast meets the yep. dough, right? Yep. Um, unapologetically. Yeah. He told them, you do that, just change clothes. Yeah. There's a there's a temple garb, yep. but then there is, you know, when you're in the outer courts, there is a garb there. Now, we don't change who we are, right. but we may change the language. The language that we use and the way that we display it in church it doesn't have to be different. Um, depending on your tradition, sure. the gap doesn't have to be closed too much, but... He says, change clothes and go out to the marketplace. We have to dress it up. When you sit in a business meeting and God gives you divine wisdom yeah. or prophetic word, yeah. he gives prophetic insight there for me now more than he does hmm. in the local church. Revelation for me, probably just as much in those settings <laughs> right. as he does in the local church. But because they don't have a framework for it, yeah. I don't say, I hear the Lord say, right. I just say, have you considered this yeah. thought? Yeah. Or, or, you know, this may be a better way. Yeah. To go now, if they ask me like Joseph, the source of my right, my right. inspiration. That's right. Let me tell you. Yeah. Um, unapologetically, yeah. it's God. But you know, it may be changing of clothes a little bit um, because, or, or re reverse engineering. Yeah. I give them the insight that God's given me. Yeah. Before I let them know the source of the insight, because listen, if it's potent enough. <laughs> It, it, it won't matter. I'm about to say they don't listen, care. Listen, if it's potent enough, it won't Everybody matter. wants to win. Listen. So here's what's funny. So I'm thinking back. I, I can't remember when this was, but we're sitting at the Western Hotel on Century in a daily grill, and you said something. I think that was really revolutionary. You said you came to a moment where you recognized that you had a myriad of levers, of, mm. of elements, yep. and you were trying to push all of that through this single mm. vehicle that was the church mm. and it was frustrating you and it was frustrating the church. Yes. And you had to recognize that you had to allow yourself to operate in different spe spheres mm. because the elements you had in you certainly needed life, needed to be able to flourish, yeah. but all of it could not be run through this single vehicle. Yes. So I started by talking about, you know, all these slashes. I mean, you're in fragrance. You're, you have a venue. Um, your church is not just a church. In fact, it's a venue that you all happen to worship in, you know what I'm right. saying, on the weekends. But you utilize it for some of the, the biggest companies in the country who yeah. host events there. Uh, we'll get into what you're doing in media at some yeah. point. But what was the turning point? What was the moment the light came on where you said, you know what? I have all this stuff I can do. I don't have to do, I have to put push all of Wayne yeah. into this single source. Let me start tinkering with and kind of applying myself in these various spaces. What was that turning point like? And how has that been? Yeah. How liberating is that to be able 
to kind of lean into all these various spaces with all the things that God's blessed yeah, you with. Yeah, it's the frustration I see in so many pastors and leaders who have this wiring. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, since as far back as I can remember, I've, I've been entrepreneurial. I've been curious about the things that change people's station. I uh, wanted to contribute uh, in significant ways, um, not only um, with insight, but also with resource. Sure. Um, I, and I have really big dreams uh, that have not been fulfilled yet. I'm believing God for and working toward. Um, but for me, it really, most insight came through pronounced frustration. Hmm. You know, th- what I just laid out for yeah. you came through a frustration. Yeah. God, I, I don't feel full contentment. Why is that? Oh, we're circling as opposed to progressing, right? Sure. Um, with regard to um, th- this space came through frustration, trying to take all that I was and force it through the vehicle of the local church. So yeah. this idea that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, um, there are various uh, spheres of influence, various sectors of influence. And, you know, I'm not wired for all of them, but I'm wired for a few more sure. in the local church. But, you know, again, we start from where we are. And it was actually my frustration in trying to, again, force my entire, my full capacity yeah. through the vehicle of lo- the lo- local church. I realized, I realized that some of my members were saying, you know, we, we believe in you, but I, I don't know if we're called to, <laughs> to, to affect entertainment as a, you know, as a church or, right, right. or you know, or, or um, you know, again, there's certain things that resonate. Um, and there are things that are trackable because you attract people that have that capacity to do both. Yeah. But, you know, I found myself trying to take all that I was and mm-hmm. force it down the church's mm-hmm, throat. Mm-hmm. And what happens um, when there's a capacity, a full capacity that's not meant to work through that singular vehicle is, you know, I became frustrated and the people, sincere people who were yeah. trying to help me carry out whatever was in my heart yeah. um, became frustrated because for some of them, they just wanted to know about God. Yeah, They wanted to make an impact in their community. They wanted um, hope for um, th- th- their struggles, where, yeah. where they were. Um, and so what I, what I learned is I still to this day, because we, we don't give just what we say, we give who we are. Sure. So there's a frequency that goes out from me I cannot get rid of, but I've learned to now sow seeds in that space and I, I see where there's resonance or mm-hmm. where the antennas go up. Mm-hmm. I gather those people, pull them aside mm-hmm. and figure out how to, to work with them in uh, fresh ways. But even with that said, I'm, I realize I'm not bound to um, um, or limited to that expression. But, you know, again, God gives grace in business, sure. in, in, in finance, in the, in the civic arena. And as I, I diversified some of those things, I, did, I kept the main thing the main thing, but as I diversified some of those outlets, I found that I became more satisfied mm. because my capacity was not limited to one place, yeah. but, but it could be poured out uh, into multiple streams. And so that just um, was, was practically um, helpful um, for me, and the other piece is uh, one of one of them is um, on the um, the entertainment front. Mm-hmm. One of something I was looking for. I was in the Desert Safari in Dubai in the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. We had some spare time, and my friend said, "Let's jump on this safari." There was a man who spoke Arabic, no English. I spoke English, no Arabic. So we're getting lost in translation. <laughs> he was playing this music, Arabic music. It was it, it was amazing. It's what they call in drama the illusion of the first time. I felt like, you know, I was. 
I was in uh, 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 ancient, you know, uh, Middle Eastern story, or mm -hmm. I mean, without minus the caravan of vehicles, you sure. know, it's camels <laughs> off to the side of the road, right, right. and I'm riding to this this music, you know, handily, handily, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it, was, it, was, it was exactly mm -hmm. what you want right. to experience when you know you're in a desert safari, and. This man who spoke no English, only Arabic, got three words out I understood. He said, you like music? I said, yeah, I like music. And so he takes out that CD and puts in Cash Money Click. And so here I am <laughs> in a desert safari with camels off to the side of the right, road. Right, You know, with a man who speaks uh, no English, only Arabic, riding to every time I come around your corner. <laughs> Literally. And, 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 and the Lord spoke to me at that moment. And he said, there are people... <laughs> that sit in a studio the size of this room that are literally sending frequencies out that are, change, that are changing culture. Yes, around and the back world. Then, most people that were they're singing songs, they didn't even know Dubai existed. It's right. popular now, but back right. then, 2000, yeah. they didn't even know this existed. But you would go there and catch them on the strip. You know, it, it was like a rich Crenshaw. You know, the Ferraris, 16-year-olds with Rolls Royces, Rolex draped diamonds with a gangster lean, literally. <laughs> we transported culture, yeah. you know, through those airwaves and influenced them in this place. Again, at that time, many people didn't even know existed. And in the middle of that, the Lord spoke to me and, and told me, as it relates to one of those outlets, you know, entertainment is going to be the next mission field, hmm. you know, um, and he spoke several things to me. He said, we're trying to get everybody into the church in order to influence culture. He said, while there are people who are sending frequencies out All that are influencing culture, and we refuse to touch that, God said, I want to get some life, you know, into some of these spaces. And so, again, there's so many influences, but those are a couple that led the me down Lord that path. The Lord spoke through every time I come around the city, hmm. bling, bling. <laughs> that's it. That's I just, it. I just want to just. That's it. He spoke to me. He's I just like, want to just pause and say, do anything. Shout out to Cash Money. <laughs> just, right, cash Money. Come on, real quick. Shout out to Cash Money. Cash Money. Prophetic voice. Right, right, God right, bless right, you. Right, right. Okay, so let's let's talk about entertainment. Yeah. Because I know you were you know dabbling in some things prior to, mm. but Preachers of L.A. kind of felt like a coming out party. Yeah. And yeah, I mean no. that just from the standpoint of. It's it's probably from from a um, an entertainment marketplace standpoint maybe the most notable yeah. thing you were a part of. Yeah. How does how does that? So not much. Sure, was the was that genre already cooking before you all started? Were you all kind of the first? No, it's interesting. You know, we were shopping a show. Um, you know, with Releve Holly. Carter. Yes. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know my friend. Huge shout out to Holly Carter. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. is a rock star, yeah. a legend, yeah. kind of mixing, yep. you know, faith and entertainment. Right. You know what I mean? Create the merge summit, bringing those Absolutely. two things together. Now, you um, know, Holly went to our, you know, my father what, had a school I, of I ministry. Yeah. yeah. Her and Torrey. Right, really. Both went to school, the wow. school of ministry. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So wow. shout out to Gregory L. Dixon, Benjamin yes. F. Reed, school of yes. ministry, Absolutely. school of the prophets. Praise God for them. All right. So, so. You yeah. were shopping something with yeah. her. And, and uh, you know, um, Fonsworth, Bentley, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Derek. So we were shopping a show. It was like extreme home makeover meets Pimp My Ride for churches. Right? So he was he <laughs> okay. was the pop culture, yeah. you know, expert, you yeah. know, bring a little, you know, spice to the, you know, a little pop culture to the, the churches that died and were dwindling. Yeah. Um, and I was the strategist who was going to come in. We we're going to work together to revitalize these churches, to work through the issues. Okay. Um, and, you know, it got picked up by Nigel Lithko's production company, who 
you know, did um, So You Think You Can Dance mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. American Idol. He was the biggest in the reality space at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, he went to meetings, I mean, to pitch pitches with us. I mean, he didn't do that with anyone else. That's how much he believed in the show. And no one wanted to touch it, man. Really? They, they did not want to touch. It was too sacred for them. They didn't want to do anything in that space. Interesting. Um, you know, what they, would, they what ran would they from say? It. Like, how, like how yeah, would they would just pass on it? Like, we love the concept, but you know, we're scared not only of the religious space, but mm-hmm. the black religious space. If we don't do this right, there's going to be a challenge. <laughs> you know, it's going to be backlash. No one wanted to touch it. We went to major networks, cable networks, mm-hmm. um, and you know, a couple years later, this concept um, of preachers mm-hmm. uh, came about. And, you know, they went back to, to shopping it in this round. Um, I don't know. People were interested. And there was a bidding war um, for that up. show. It ended up going to Oxygen Network. And to date, um, highest ratings, the only show that beat it, um, one episode of, now get this, The Bad Girls Club all-star reunion, right? So that was their biggest <laughs> show. And they they took all the 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 worst bad girls mm-hmm. from 10 years of That's <laughs> um, what it took to beat bad the bad girls. Then they they did uh, you know the numbers were a little higher uh, <laughs> than us. So, you know, they were pleased with that that project. It went really well. And we're going on longer, but um, yeah. you know, again, the 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 parent network was acquired um, by um, another uh, group who changed the entire network to all crime network. So, oh, um, but interesting. It, 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 it did well. So it that's well. the reason that it didn't continue. It was it wasn't you all? It was no. that yeah. changing of hands. Yeah. Then it got lost in the show. Yeah, the ratings were high. Um, but yeah, the the network that um, I mean not network, but NBC Universal was mm-hmm. acquired by Comcast. Got they it. had a lot of the same television stations, sure. and you're competing for sponsorship dollars when you have ten stations. They're doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, so they changed it to get new sponsorships to an all-crime network. So now Oxygen is nothing but crime. <laughs> right. So Preachers of Detroit, mm-hmm. whichever one, were, were, were they offshoots? Like, offshoots, offshoots, yeah. So, okay, that's yeah. that's pretty dope. Yeah, all okay, offshoots, I, I won't yeah. even talk about the metrics <laughs> behind that, all right, but God be praised. Yeah, that's yeah, all right, yeah. man. So when you all shop, how, how do you feel about, so I, I've told you this privately and so I'll say it publicly, I never watched the show, okay. but only because I knew people would ask me what I thought about it. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. just like, I like being able to say, I don't have an opinion because <laughs> right. I haven't seen the show. Right, but, right. you know, obviously it had a huge impact mm. on, I think, this conversation around what it looked like to take what we had been doing on our own and to really showcase it yeah. at scale in the marketplace. Sure. And so for you, do you was that a part of the vision relative to that show? Mm-hmm. And do you feel like it accomplished what you all had in mind? You know, I, I don't know. I think the beauty with that show is a combination. It's a dance, right? Mm-hmm. Between network producers, yeah. production company, and, um, you know, um, executive producers, right? So... I would say more than anything else I've seen, there was a synergy. There was respect from the network. Mm -hmm. Um, They wanted to get this right. Yeah. You know, they wanted to, they heeded the voice of people who were were knowledgeable in this space. Mm -hmm. Um, They, they, 
really, you know, opened up the process as it related to the creative directions and mm -hmm. things that we were and weren't comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, but then also, again, you know, you have uh, executive producer that came through your school of ministry, so that gives you a sense <laughs> of, you know, and she wasn't playing around. Right, she she right. had to come back to Church of God in Christ. I know, you know? that's right. <laughs> I, know, I know her pastor right, very that's well. Right, that's, that's right, that's yes, right, sir. that's right. So, um, you know, there was a lot more intentionality there. They, they really wanted to um, get this right. So, there, you know, there was a unique synergy. Um, you know, for me, the the you know the ultimate goal to create that impact for for me it wasn't you know I was a part of the show, but um, you know I don't know that that was the exclusive. Gotcha. Um, you know, again, there were there were multiple hands there, and I think you know we we, we all synergized. We sure. wanted you know we wanted God to be glorified. Sure. Um, you know, but for me, it was really learning that space. Yeah. And taking it from this theory, yeah. you know, that God gave me, or yeah. this prophetic uh, uh, snapshot that yeah. God gave me in Dubai, um, and, and, and testing it out mm -hmm. in in the real world. Yeah. Um, that's why I wanted to be a part of it, and agreed to be a part of it. Um, for me, at the time, it was it was you know it was again it's chestnut checkers, right? Yeah, it's a it's it's the ability to learn behind the scenes yeah. to to see, you know, uh, you know how. Um, a projects put together, what resonates, yeah. what 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 doesn't, yeah. Yeah. Um, and to also to give some credibility to this message, mm -hmm. right? I didn't want to just be another pastor speaking to this, but afraid to touch it. Yep. You yeah. know, so while I was in many respects getting criticism because that sizzle reel had everybody nervous, yes, right? sir. but it sold the show. And, and <laughs> what you saw over right. you know, through the season though were right. redemptive themes. Absolutely, you know, there it was. It wasn't you know a, a mess. There was mm -hmm. things that were entertaining, mm -hmm. but you know, uh, again, it was it was done well. And you know, by the time we got through it, most everyone's arc was redemptive. Sure, and you know, so I think they did a really really good job. Now, shout out to all those yeah. folks. So what's funny is, so when you spoke at at the church I pastor, so for you all who don't know, I pastor a church in Inglewood. So I had you speak yeah. in October, and uh, one of the guys that works with me, he's he kind of like hunches. He's like, is that is that the dude from uh, Preachers of L.A.? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, like he was a good one, right? <laughs> 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 and I was like, I haven't seen it, but yeah, I think he probably was Listen, a good one. You know, by the time we got through everybody, you know, you yes, know, they, they, yeah. they, they, you know, they they came out pretty well. But Absolutely. after that sizzle reel, you know, they sold the show. Yeah. Um, when they when they when they released that, I mean, everyone was nervous. We we got some heat for a while. I increased in popularity, but decreased in influence hmm. for a while. You know, I I was booked for for things and and pastors. You know, they would have friends call them and say, "Isn't he one of those part mm -hmm, of that project? Mm -hmm. You'll have him come speak." Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, thank God I had friends who understood yeah. that my assignment um, again that I'm a, a Zadok. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to come, come to your church. Yeah, be the marketplace. Yeah, I'll do things there. Uh, but I'm going to come to your church, and in, in, in you know, yep. if God is kind, the glory's right. going to fall there that's too. That's right. Right. So, but that's, that's that's an important, I think, segue, which is. You know, when you talk about this, for me, when I talk about this whole misfit idea, yep. you know, it's it's exciting, it's, you know, it's liberating, it's all those right. things, but, you know, an underpinning of this is that you don't fit, and there is yep. a place to fit. Yes. A lot of times when you make the decision to step out and to chase down mm. something that is maybe countercultural or right. not, you know, you know, subject to the tyranny of sameness, 
there is a population that is uncomfortable. Always. So for you, as you've been attempting to really honor how God is using you, what the Spirit of God is doing in these marketplace spaces, in these unconventional ways, how have you how have you navigated the complexity of the context you operate in and people's discomfort or their displeasure yeah. or whether that's friends, family, church, like to go off and do what you feel called to knowing. I think of the story when, you know, in the Bible, when Jesus, for those of you who are Christian, you you will know this story. Some of you will not. So for non-Christians, a story in the Bible where Christ is kind of doing his thing and there's a moment when his mother and siblings come and say, hey, go get Jesus. We need to holler at him. Right. Because they're, they're trying to, like, tell him, like, you need to tamp this stuff down. Yeah. And he, he looks the crowd around him. He's like, who's my mother? Yeah. Who's my father? And he says, the ones who do the will, right? Yes. And there was this idea that he he had to, like, wrestle through, like, even my family. If, right. I'm, if I'm chasing down what I'm assigned to, it might mean it's going to drive a wedge between those that I feel, you know, close to or connected to. So, no, Christ, in my estimation, the ultimate misfit, right? Yeah. For you having to pursue these elements that feel like essential to the life God's given you, yeah. everybody wasn't with it. Everybody went, how did yeah. you navigate that? And how would yeah. you encourage others yeah. who are feeling called to launch out to be a misfit to navigate that complexity? Yeah. Um, I think when you're pioneering, um, there, there's no comfortable way to do that, mm. right? There is the uproot and tear down before there's the build and plant. Yep. And there are frameworks that have to be um, rethought. Um, there are new possibilities that have to be reimagined. Um, I love what Viva Zornberg says, the departure of the children of Israel um, from Egypt, as they um, circled the wilderness, she said long before there was the death of their bodies in the wilderness, there was first the death of their imagination. Mm. You know? Whoa. And Say that again, please. Yeah, yeah. She says long before there was the death of their bodies in the wilderness, there was first the death of their imaginations. They couldn't see the prophetic possibilities mm. because sometimes it's harder to believe God for the new fresh thing that you haven't seen. Mm -hmm. um, it's so difficult that our tendency is to go back to the bondage we came out of. Yeah. Even though it wasn't great, we're grateful that we got out of it. Yeah. You know, that's that's how difficult it is sometimes to, to, to pioneer new space or to believe God for what you haven't seen yet. Yeah. And that's the tension of every leader, but the people that are going to be on the front lines have to become more proficient and more comfortable with um, those unknown realities. And where we're frail and weak, God is at work to induce a greater fear, fearlessness in us. And mm -hmm. he does that through um, often manipulating circumstantial things in our life to help us, please forgive me, care less. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, not to be careless, but yeah. I think God allows things to cause us to care less because we see this time and again throughout the, the Bible. From the beginning all the way through the Bible, there's, there's this reminder to not be, to Jeremiah, be afraid of men's faces, right? Yeah. Their responses, that there's a call, you know, don't be more informed by them than you are my voice. Yeah. Um, we see it in Jesus who says, I only do what I see my father do in heaven. I mean, you look at these pioneering leaders and there's this element um, of negotiating this reality to do something that has, hasn't been done yeah. before. Um, because the most potent, one of the most potent 
tactics of the enemy, or mo the most potent weapons of the enemy, as we, we see from the beginning of time, with Adam and Eve in the garden, um, it's, it's after the fall, the first manifestation of the fall um, was not just that they went and, you know, covered up and mm -hmm, put mm -hmm. fig leaves over themselves, but before they did that, what drove them to do that is self-consciousness. That's right. The right. first manifestation of the fall is self-consciousness, yep. right? It's still one of the most potent attacks of the enemy. Yeah. So as God is, you know, before the fall, before yeah. sin enters, before the enemy enters, they are loving one another naked and unashamed, yeah. not embarrassed. They're heeding the voice of God, yeah. communing with God, and carrying out meaningful work for God in the earth, yeah. right? No interruptions. That's the original intent. Yeah. But again, one of the most potent things we have to deal with is self-consciousness. We look at ourselves and are concerned with how we appear before others, how we'll be accepted. Now, there's, there's a reasonable amount that that's healthy, right? Sure. Um, but, but for the most part, when God speaks something or leads us into new territory to pioneer something, the first thing that we do, as opposed to heeding God's voice, we, we look at ourselves and negotiate how we'll be received by others in light of what God's asking us to do. That's why Jesus says something very interesting when he comes on the earth to, he, he foreshadows him reversing the curse of Adam mm -hmm. in that he says, very interesting, he said, I only do what I see my father do in heaven, yep. not what I hear, yep. not what I get a revelation of. Why do you yep. use the sight? Yeah. He said, I only do what I see my father do in heaven because he was letting us know that sin came in, one of the most, the enemy's most potent attacks. We find it with Jeremiah mm -hmm. looking at himself. We find it with Moses. Mm -hmm. People were looking at him. Yep. You know, God tells him to go into this new place. Don't, you know, speak to the rock. Mm -hmm. I mean, strike the rock this time. Speak to the rock mm -hmm. this time. But he was in front of the people yeah. and was, you know, too embarrassed. Yep. He, I mean, you know, he didn't, you know, he, he went to an old play. He struck the rock again before the people, concerned with the people. Yeah. As we look throughout Saul, the Bible, same thing. Saul, Afraid Gideon, of the people. Yeah. I mean, over and you, over know, again. you know, we see this. Jesus comes and says, I only do what I see my father do in heaven to show us that, listen, I'm lifting my eyes off of myself. Yeah. I'm lifting my eyes above human opinion yeah. to the will of God. Yeah. And the more we can close the gap between what God desires from heaven and what we carry out on earth, yeah. the more impactful our ministry will be. And we'll see all sorts of impactful things birthed in the earth. But one of the most potent attacks still is the opinion of others yeah. um, and our, our sight of ourselves in light of their opinions. And the work of, of, of God there are many things God does in our lives, but one of the most profound works of God in my life, particularly in recent history, is to liberate, was to liberate me through circumstance, mm -hmm. through brokenness, yeah. through tragedy, yeah. through embarrassment even at times, yeah. but to liberate me from more from the opinions of people. Yeah. Um, and Again, that's a that's another podcast yeah. in and of itself. But but you know some of that's our part. Yeah. Um, but there's a work of God to bring us to a place where we can more readily carry out. There's so much we're following patterns, but there's so much that has not been done um, because um, there there are few who are willing against criticism to express on earth what 
they have caught a glimpse yes. of God desiring. Yeah. That's huge. And you talk about, and I think probably for a number of us, having to experience tragedy um, does become a great teacher. Yeah. But for those who haven't, right, for those, who, and, and all of us will, but for those who are listening and they're saying, look, I haven't had anything traumatic necessarily happen that yeah. would be a guide in that regard. Are there, I mean, when you talk about this transition mm -hmm. from not looking at self, looking above the people, fixing your eyes on God, like if you had to give someone, mm -hmm. hey, you know what, you're listening right now, right. today, right. This, stop this, start this, here's how, let me hold your hand, let me give you one, two, like what mm -hmm. would be the way you would help them to disengage from being so encumbered by the opinions of others or even their own self-consciousness mm -hmm to really leap and launch yeah. and, and pursue? Like, what yeah. what could those things be? Yeah, I think that the more isolated we feel, the more difficult it is for us to step out. Mm. And so sometimes when God's using us to pioneer something in our own generation, um, this is so you good. know, we, 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 we can't find a witness mm -hmm. or a, a confirmation. Um, and so two steps. If I can find someone, mm -hmm. a contemporary, mm -hmm. that has taken that risk and is on the other side of that risk to mm -hmm. the reward, yeah. to the best of my ability, I try to highlight those examples. Yeah. You know, uh, there's nothing that builds fresh faith like seeing people do, even if it's a different category or a different discipline, but seeing people take the faith step in doing what you're fearful to do. It just mm -hmm. There's something about knowing you're not the only one yeah. that does yeah. it. And we know that in theory, sure. but experientially. That's right. That's you know, right. When, when it comes to taking a faith step, yeah. that, that, that can, we can feel very isolated. Yeah. But where, when I can't find a contemporary, what I try to do is create, to a certain degree, a cloud of witnesses, right? Yeah. You know, to, to take people back to humanize these biblical heroes, hmm. you know, we, we, we spend so much time, you know, playing their highlight reels. I did yeah. a series called The B-Side, hmm. you know, looking at the, the side of the record that we don't play mm -hmm. as it relates to these biblical characters yeah. um, so that we can identify with the Moses that doubted in the wilderness before yeah. he ever parted the Red Sea, yeah. right, with the Gideon who, you know, felt like he was least of these, with the Jeremiah who said, I'm only a child, I don't know mm -hmm. how to speak, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. With, um, you know, the those who had struggles, uh, just like they had struggles, but God used them with folks that were timid and wrestling with the Peter that died, Jesus, yeah. with the disciples yeah. who were turned the world upside down, who were fearful on, <laughs> right. on the boat. Right. I, I try to the best of my ability. If I can't find, you know, a contemporary witness, what I try to do is build a case by creating a cloud of witnesses, humanizing these biblical heroes, bringing it to people's attention so that, that they don't feel alone. And sometimes that's all we need. Yeah. All we need is, if we can't find a contemporary witness, we need a historical witness, but yeah. we need to see it's possible. And the more we can put that before people, um, the, the, the more probable it seems. Yeah. The more probable it seems. And so, you know, that that is outside of prayer and asking God to do this internally, um, that's one of the things I employ to to build, to create fresh faith. So good, yeah. man. That's so good. Let me let me switch a little bit. Because I actually have like two more questions, but um, just as you were talking, I was thinking about this idea that there has to be a level 
um, or attention given to velocity. Mm. So in um, there's a in, there's a book called uh, Creating Innovators, mm. and he talks about these like characteristics for individuals um, relative to like innovation and things yeah. of that nature. And one thing he talks about is this like agility and adaptability. Yeah. And one of the things that I kind of wrestle with is there's this tension point between being <laughs> impetuous, yeah. impulsive, and hasty, right. or the counterbalance of you know apathetic, lethargic, and and not being not, not moving fast enough, right? Yeah. And so when I think about those who are called to do incredible things, there there is a level in which there has to be some level of agility, like yes. you know, um, I want to say it is uh, who was a guy that created Amazon, Bezos, Jeff Bezos. So he talks about the velocity of decision-making. He says, look, if you're waiting for all the information to make a move, you're late. You need to take about 70% of the intel and you need to hustle because the people who are waiting for all of it are going to lose money. You know, of course, in this business, it's all about the bottom line on some level. Um, But I think it's true in everything. And part of, I think, the downside, and I think part of what we just talked about, which is, you know, sometimes self-consciousness, the issues related to the people that we're engaging with, the church and people in the church just move really slow. Yeah. And we call it prudence, and we call it wisdom, and we call it all these things to make us feel better better about it. And I'm not saying it's always this, but in a lot of cases, there's such a hesitancy to increase our velocity. And so here's my question. It feels like, you know, relative, and you're a strategic person, right? But relative to the things that you kind of sense God doing, it seems like once you have clarity, not necessarily all the information, you don't let a lot of grass grow under your feet, mm, but yeah. you kind of get after the things. You, you're, you're, What would you say about how you're able to keep up a healthy pace, mm. healthy velocity and the things that you're going after? And then what would you say to our listeners relative to how important it is mm. to certainly, yes, be prudent, but don't use prudence or that concept of wisdom as a way just to drag your feet because of fear, self-consciousness, or what you think people will believe or think about you if you attempt yeah. uh, to pursue something great. Yeah, I think a couple things. One is, um, you know, sometimes the loudest voices are those that are closest, right, to us sure. in our context. And, you know, it's difficult for people that are innovative to be in antiquated context. Yeah. And um, th- th- there's a pressure. So sometimes it's helpful to, a couple things, l- you know, serve the context well, but liberate yourself from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and sur- to surround yourself with others who are free to think. Now, um, it's a dance. Sure. Again, depending on your context, it's particularly your, the, re- your, the religious context or, yeah. you know, that, you, that you're, you're a part of. There's some, there's board governance and, um, you know, at a- Bureaucracy. Yeah, one of my uh, grandfather's friends when I was just getting started, I I was one of those who just hit the ground running Mm -hmm. and he came over to me, put his hand on my shoulders. He said, uh, he talked like this, he had a little growl. He said, ah, Cheney. He called me Cheney. (laughs) He said, hey, Cheney, don't use your influence until you get it. Mm. And so I had this, this pace in me, but- what he explained in wisdom is in this context, mm-hmm. you have to be paced enough to gain influence. Mm-hmm. And so in that environment, I had to sow seeds of change mm-hmm. um, by leaking 
concepts in seed form mm-hmm. that were really stirring. Mm-hmm. But so I didn't kill myself sure. or I didn't stay frustrated. I had to create, again, this is to, to the first uh, question, I had to create other outlets and yeah. contexts where I could run freely. Yeah. You know, um, and over time, my, 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 my primary religious context um, became um, um, the, 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 the gap, uh, the velocity gaps closed there. Gotcha. But that took that took time. That yeah. took that took years. Yeah. But I wasn't frustrated because again, I created other outlets that allowed me Allow to, 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 to run to, to run to run freely. Yeah. Right. So so I was able to steward. It, most people again, they'll blow up this context. Yeah. Because it's not moving at the pace yeah. that they, they want to move at. And before you do that, you know, I say create <laughs> right. something else allows you to, yeah. to do that, to express your creativity more freely, to to, to play with your ideas yeah. and concepts, yeah. to, you know, guinea pig some of those things yeah. while keeping this intact. And I'm so grateful that I had wise voices that helped me pace myself here sure. because, you know, you know, after 10, 15, 20 years, yeah. I can do some of those things that were in my heart with the full backing of yeah. not only um, a ministry um, in terms of resource, but with human capital yeah. as well. Um, so, so that that you know, sense. there's there's so much I go into as it relates to that. Yeah. But you know, for the sake of time, that yeah. that that's uh, w- one of the insights. Yeah. All right. So here's here's the final question. So um, so I, at the end of all of my shows, I I quote Sergey Brin, okay. and he has a he has a phrase. He says. Um, if what you're doing doesn't sound to some like science fiction, it's not transformative enough, mm. right? So mm. this idea, obviously, that, you know, the things that are going to be earth-shaking, transformational, typically <laughs> at, at the sound of it, when it's articulated, sounds, sounds crazy. Yeah. So for you, when it comes to Wayne Cheney, I mean, you're an author. We didn't even get into, like I said, your fragrance. We didn't get into the things you're doing in a lot of spaces, but we'll have you back okay. and we'll unpack all that stuff, sure, right? Sure. But with all the things that you are sensing, like what's the science fiction play for Wayne? Like what's the thing that <laughs> when you say it out loud, people are going to be like, this dude is nuts. You know yeah. what I mean? That you feel like it's kind of coming out of you like in this next season. Oh my gosh, that's a podcast of itself, right? I know, I know it is. Um, I, I think there the 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 thread of commonality that runs through all of it mm-hmm. is liberating myself enough from constructs that are incongruent with God's will um, to run freely. Hmm. Um, Press that. I feel Jesus, like you're not saying yeah, something. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus talked about this. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Sure. You know, yoke of teaching then was, you know, not only the the thing that was fixed around the ox, mm-hmm. you know, neck while it would plow, mm-hmm. um, you know, so there was a practical work. He said, the work I've called you to is easy, it's light. Um, not that it's going to challenge difficulty, but it's easy, light. But back then, a rabbi's um, teaching was known as their yoke of teaching. Mm-hmm. So he said, my teaching, what I've put on you is is, is easy, light. Because he was he was contrasting that with um, the the Pharisees mm-hmm. who had added their interpretations, hundreds mm-hmm. of their interpretations to the law, mm-hmm. and you know required that you know the people um, um, would observe all those things, mm-hmm. and it was burdening the people. Yeah, 
And what Jesus was saying in essence is, what I want to present to you is what does not add anything to. Mm -hmm. uh, what I'm presenting to you will not add anything to mm -hmm. or take away from what God really requires. Mm. Now, if we can get to that place, we add nothing to, none of our extra interpretations yeah. and in burdens and in, in frameworks and mm -hmm. prohibitions and, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's so much that we've added to what God really requires and we've made our faith burdensome. Mm. Even with good intention, we've made it burdensome. So for me, the possibilities are opened up mm -hmm. when we take what you're, and again, I, I, I believe in the tradition that was passed down and upholding what's what what needs to be upheld, but I also believe in reforming what needs reforming. Yeah, right. I don't care if your great great grandmother's pastor taught that and it's been in mm -hmm. the family for generations. Mm -hmm. If God doesn't require it, yeah, I'm not going to bind myself mm -hmm. to that yoke. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And the moment we start to take some of those <laughs> those yokes off and can run freely, it's lighter. Mm -hmm. The possibilities begin to emerge. We realize that God is not just the God of the temple, but God, the earth is the Lord, yeah. the fullness thereof. Yeah. There are no restrictions. There are no limitations if God be for it, right? Yeah. If it's not contradicting the will of God or does not grieve the spirit of God in our mm -hmm. generation, listen, I'm going after it. Yeah. And while that is, again, the foundation, it is one of the most revolutionary places I've ever entered into because new possibilities emerge. Yeah. So what does that look like? It looks like expecting God to bless fragrance launches, to bring beauty, even, you know, we bring, re reclaim that. There was an aroma mm. with mm. certain <laughs> things that came, right? Biblically, it was, was multi-sensory, yeah. right? What does it mean to liberate? Yeah. What does it mean to put our, and we've done it, but I don't know we've done the best job, but what does it mean to, to put this same narrative that we've been speaking from the pulpit to film, to yeah. quality film, yeah. right? Um, where 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 it's a multi-sensory experience, you know. I've you know I've, writ I've written a bunch of papers in a book, yeah. and yeah. you know, but you know the people that are going to buy the book, and you yeah. know the folks then the short smaller group of folks that are going to take the month to read it, yeah. And yeah. to get you know to get to that investment of time to receive what we have versus you know uh, going into a theater, yeah. you know, and not just our folks, but but people from all walks of life, yeah. And taking them on that journey with scoring and music and visuals yeah. to bring that message to life. What would it look like to, to really take off what God does not require and to have proximity to mm -hmm. the people that the church is embarrassed to identify with? Mm. Because it may soil their reputation, not with the world. The world knows what's up, but yeah. with other religious people. Yeah. You know? You really want to do ministry like Christ? What does that look like? So this idea of not adding anything to what God requires, taking that yoke off, it liberates us, um, and the possibilities are infinite as it relates to the kind of impact God can make through us in our generation. I think it's terribly sad that doing life like Jesus is science fiction, <laughs> right? 
It like is. the fact that, I mean, I, much. I, I know exactly <laughs> what you much. mean. Pretty much. And that is science fiction yeah. in a lot of ways, in a lot of spaces. <laughs> right. Crazy. To, Wayne Chaney, man, I can't thank you enough, man. I love you, brother. Oh, man, I appreciate you. Uh, we're going to have you back a thousand times because you said some things that I want I want to unpack to a greater degree. And so oh, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more. So yeah. if you're listening, if you're watching, you know what to do. Like, uh, comment. Subscribe, share, let everybody know what what we're doing, um, and then of course you know follow follow on Instagram whatever follow Wayne Cheney you know he's already got a billion followers anyway so follow me first and then you know <laughs> but uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us for this little bit of time and uh, we'll catch you next time Misfit Manifesto man thanks for having me man Super it's been a pleasure absolutely bro it. thank you man thank you so much for listening to the Misfit Manifesto I trust this has been as you know impactful for you as it has been for me now what makes these type of moments in this community special is when you're a part of it so I want to encourage you to go to misfitmanifesto.com join the conversation and join the community I believe something is on the horizon but I don't want to do it alone I want to do it with you so come be a part and let's see some amazing things happen